Talking Birds. Made possible by the generous support of the Bird Watchers General Store. Orleans Cape Cod. Birdwatchersgeneralstore.com. By Birds and Beans Shade Grown Bird Friendly Coffee. Birdsandbeans.com. And proudly sponsored by Ocean State Bird Club. This is every birder's favorite time of year, with new birds to see in every tree and shrub. And Ocean State Bird Club has an abundance of walks to see them. Join us on one of our free walks, become a member, and check us out on Facebook and on the web at OceanStateBirdClub.org. Good morning. Welcome to our show, number 731. If you're listening to our show live Sunday morning, June 9th, 9.30 Eastern, you may know that yesterday was World Oceans Day as designated by a group known as The Ocean Project. Theoceanproject.org, the group's stated mission to advance ocean conservation. And there's an ironic connection to that day in the form of a newly released story at Atlantic.com about what has happened to some tufted puffins, close relatives of the better-known Atlantic puffins, off the coast of Alaska. Here's the story, and then we'll ask for some comments about it from our in-studio guest this morning, Smithsonian Journeys International trip leader, David Clapp, whom we welcome now. Good morning, David. Good morning, Ray. So David has reported on the website of The Atlantic back in October of 2016 a conservation officer from the Aleut community of St. Paul Island in the Bering Sea off Alaska found a tufted puffin carcass washed up on a beach there. Shortly after that, hundreds more were found, and scientists from the University of Washington ultimately determined that up to 8,800 of these puffins had perished in the last few months of 2016. Why did they die? Scientists suggest, David, that they starved to death. I would think that that's quite possible. And the, those are in the Pribilof Islands. St. George yeah. and St. Paul Islands are the, up on the Pribilofs. Um, we're seeing a lot of temperature change in the ocean, especially mm-hmm. on the east coast in the Gulf of Maine, where it's changed most rapidly of all oceans. But what happens is that the larvae of fish and the larvae of some of the, the, the arthropods and things that live in the ocean that form the baseline food stuff have a very limited temperature range that they can survive at. Mm -hmm. So if things get warm by a degree or a degree and a half, then the larvae might just all die off, and hence they become no, there's no food source. And that's something like that probably happened. Mm -hmm. So we we hear about fish, for example, like birds and other creatures moving north as a result of warming ocean temperatures. But this is different. This is the creatures just dying. They just disappeared. Now, the, the population of that particular species may survive to the north, but the ones in the south are gone. Um, we've had a similar report here in the Northeast by the Center for Coastal Studies in Provincetown mm-hmm. uh, about the food source for, for right whales, that that food source diminishes in the higher temperature waters. And one of the reasons that the whales seem to be, I don't know how you do this with a whale, but seem to be thinner mm-hmm. and more at risk is because there's just not as much food as there used to be in the spring to get them you know, up and going. This story is in the Atlantic, or on the uh, website of the Atlantic uh, magazine, at the uh, Atlantic Org. And we're talking with David Clapp, and we'll talk uh, more with David in a little bit about uh, his trip to Oregon, what he was looking for, and what uh, he found, if anything. <laughs> and this is the sound of our mystery bird. A little preview of our mystery bird contest coming along a little bit later on in this morning's show. Our mystery bird is a small songbird with a yellow throat, belly, and chest, and on the chest a necklace of dark streaks. 
Its back is gray and it has a distinctive white eye ring in a yellow patch in front of the eye. Our bird's primary breeding range is in northern New England and points north, and it feeds by gleaning insects from foliage. And uh, later I'll give a bonus clue if necessary. Uh, beautiful prizes this morning include the Droll Yankees window mount songbird feeder, providing a clear view of the birds right at your window. Plus, a download to your iOS device or online access to the LarkWire app, the app that makes learning bird sounds a game and another bonus prize, a 12-ounce bag of delicious bird-friendly shade-grown birds and beans coffee on our uh, mystery bird contest coming along here in just a little bit. Right now, we want to congratulate this week's Make Your Own Swag contest winner. It's George Polowski from Plano, Texas. Nice going, George. George sent us a cool photo in which he's striking a proud pose while sporting his Talking Birds patch on a chest strap and wearing a pretty cool T-shirt, too. The shirt reads, May the Forest Be With You. I like Nice, huh? Congratulations, George. You're our weekly Make Your Own Swag Contest winner. We'll be sending you a hardcover copy of the Birdwatching Answer Book by Laura Erickson in the Cornell Lab of Ornithology, plus an Optech USA elasticized binocular harness courtesy of Mike O'Connor's Birdwatcher's General Store on Cape Cod. Sorry we had to mention Mike, David. No, it's okay. It's okay, yeah. I've learned to live with him. Yeah. Well, George and everyone else who sends us a photo by the June 15th deadline is also eligible for the grand prize drawing for a pair of Terra ED 8x42 Zeiss binoculars. Wow. Or binocular. That's controversial about which way you say binoculars or binoculars. It's like pants. Yeah, you can only... I'm going to put on my my pants. pants. Well, moving right (laughs) along, you can get your (laughs) patch by requesting one via email to rayattalkingbirds.com, rayattalkingbirds.com. Just say, I want a patch or words to that effect, and we'll send you on with full contest and patch Attachment instructions, uh, deadline for photo admission, uh, uh, submission, that is, is June 15th at midnight. Thank you for being a friend. Thank you for being a friend. We have some more friends to whom to say thank you. They are Talking Birds listeners who have become Talking Birds ambassadors and allowed us to send them some of our little info cards to hand out to their friends. And thank you so much to Emily Rank from St. Louis Park. Minnesota. She says she's excited to become an ambassador and share the love of birds and the environment with others. She said she'll send uh, share the cards with her local wild bird store as well as her city's nature center. Good place for owls in the winter up there. The nature center? No, oh, just it's Minnesota. Minnesota, yeah, indeed. Sarah Gates from East York. Ontario, Canada has become an ambassador. Thank you so much, Sarah. She says, I'm always raving about your show to people, so my goodness, make me an ambassador already. <laughs> that's bird That's bird talk, right? I'm raving about your show? Very good. That, yeah. right, mark that one down, Tim. We'll use it later. Um, Sarah is uh, not only a, a, an ambassador, she's also a board member of FLAP Canada. It's the Fatal uh, Light Awareness Program yeah, yeah. that really got the ball Canada's rolling. Canada's done a lot to, with windows and lights. Indeed. Um, yeah, bird yeah. collision. So thank you so much. Sarah, for that work and for becoming a Talking Birds ambassador. And Talking Birds listeners, we're confident that Sarah and Emily would love for you to join them in the Talking Birds ambassadors family. Easy to do. Just click on the contact button at TalkingBirds.com and choose the Become an Ambassador option. Still to come on our show today, our special guest, David Clapp, will tell us about his recent odyssey in Oregon. 
Plus, we'll resume the ongoing feud between David and Mike O'Connor <laughs> when we catch up with Mike down at the Bird Watchers General Store on Cape Cod for our Let's Ask Mike segment. And up next, today's featured feathered friend, accompanied musically by the genius of Ray Charles and presented by Birdwatching Magazine. For more than a quarter century, Birdwatching has been North America's premier magazine about wild birds and birding. They say, Ruby, you're like a dream, not always what you see. And there's the song of Ruby, today's featured feathered friend, the ruby-crowned kinglet. It's one of the smallest birds in North America, not much bigger than a hummingbird, and mostly pretty plain. Adult birds are olive gray-green on the upper parts with light gray underparts, a thin black bill, a short tail, and a whitish wing bar. The adult male has a red patch on the crown, but that's usually only visible when he's agitated or excited by a predator or a rival or a potential mate. The female ruby-crowned kinglet lays as many as a dozen eggs in a well-concealed hanging cup nest suspended from a conifer tree branch in its breeding grounds across Canada, Alaska, and northern New England. Its population appears to be on the rise thanks to its discovery of undisturbed new breeding territory farther north. It winters down through the southern part of the U.S. and into Mexico. The ruby-crowned kinglet is very small, but certainly worth seeing. And if that red crest isn't visible, you can ID it by its tiny size, its big sort of broken white eye ring, its habit of constantly flicking its wings, and the way it often hovers as it gleans small insects from tree branches and trunks. Today's Talking Birds featured feathered friend, Regulus Calendula, the ruby-crowned kinglet. Ruby, it's you. Thanks again for being here with our show, number 731. Don't forget to visit our website if you get a chance. We hope you will. Talkingbirds.com and follow us on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram at Talkingbirds. David Clapp is here in the studio with us. He's recently returned from a trip to Oregon looking for woodpeckers, which is very brave, David, because we know there are no woodpeckers in Oregon. No, that's true. It's very difficult. No, I have a friend, <laughs> Kevin, Kevin Ryan. I bird with Kevin quite often. And Kevin said... I haven't seen a couple... He wanted to see Red Nape Sapsucker, which mm -hmm. is one of the 11 or 12... 11 relatively common, 12 altogether, mm -hmm. woodpeckers of the area called Sisters, Oregon, which is Ponderosa Pine Country. Mm -hmm. And I'm telling you, you drive down there, and the, the tree, the stems of the tree go up probably 40 feet before there's any branches. So you're in a forest, and the canopy is thick with pine needles 120 feet above you. Mm -hmm. But through the woods, all you see are these tall, like telephone pole stems. It's, it's a stunningly different kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And where you are in there, uh, you're in Sisters and you drop down into Bend, Oregon, and you're in sagebrush where the plants are knee-high. It's really mm -hmm. quite a change. It was wow. very interesting. Anyway, Kevin wanted to see um, Red Nape Sapsucker, so it was one of those things. You fly out on a Tuesday, you bird Wednesday and Thursday, you fly back on Friday. And I have a whole list of these great four-day trips for people. Really? But... Um, 
Yeah, we went out and we saw, I don't know what we saw, we ended up seeing eight or nine species of woodpecker and sapsuckers. Uh, Williamson sapsucker, red nape sapsucker, red-breasted sapsucker, Lewis's woodpecker. Uh, we didn't see pileated, mm-hmm. but they're there. Okay, yeah. Um, Lewis's woodpecker. So this is a this is a, been described as foraging like a flycatcher and flying like a crow. So how does it get to be a woodpecker it, anyway? It, it <laughs> lopes along in the air. Yeah. It, its wings be just sort of slow and ponderous. Uh, it's a big sort of purplish kind of woodpecker. It's a wild looking bird. It's a it? it's a yeah. really cool yeah. bird. Uh, we saw a, a a couple of the two or three. Uh, in an area, there's a lot of fires out there, of course, where these forests burn. And you go into these areas that are burned, and if there's low brush now and tall spires, that's where the Lewis's woodpeckers might be. And that's mm-hmm. just where they were. So they're silhouetted against the sky on these 60-foot-tall burned trunks. Mm-hmm. Um, really quite really quite spectacular woodpecker. So the acorn woodpecker, this, I don't know if it's spectacular is a, is a, no, a word, but it's, yeah, no, it's funny looking. Yeah, uh, funny the looking. clown of the woodpecker. Oddball, yeah, world? clown, yeah. Pi- uh, harlequin face. It's yeah. a, yeah, it's a, a pieball thing with kind of, it's almost a goofy look to its face. Mm-hmm. And uh, But if you go online and you look up acorn woodpecker and then look not at the woodpeckers so much, which is interesting at first, but look at how they store acorns. They'll have hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of holes yeah. in the trunk of a dead pine, and they stuff each hole with acorns. Yeah. And then all winter they go to the larder, and they just sort of open the pantry and take out a wood, yeah, take out very, an acorn. Very convenient. It's like yeah. the automat or something. It's, with it. It's right. Hard, yeah. hard and hard at or whatever. Remember that? <laughs> Horn and hard at. Horn and yeah. hard at. Oh, I, gosh. That was a while ago, I think. Yeah. Yeah, my grandfather told me about it. My, my uh, great-grandfather <laughs> told, told me about it. So, and they lo- they're known to put the acorns in uh, automobile radiators. Uh, in They'll, right, yeah. 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 yeah, you don't want to park too long in the same place. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a black-backed woodpecker. Did you did you say we did see blackbacks at a nest? The uh, male has a yellowish top to his head, uh, very secretive and not very common. They they do nest in New Hampshire and Maine, northern you know northern New England as well, all the way across mm-hmm. wherever you have a, a forest like oh. the, the Canadian boreal forest. But uh, yeah, we've, one you know, of those regaled us here in Boston a couple of years ago. That's true. Maybe three yeah. years ago. Yeah, there's been a few yeah. sightings in Massachusetts. Uh, yeah. It's a woodpecker that goes into the burned areas and peels off the bark just about, say, two years to three years after a fire because there's a certain kind of beetle that's really predominant at recycling the wood at that point. Mm-hmm. And they go through, and then two or three years later, you won't see them there. So, interesting. The, the Williamson sapsucker, I think you said you, you saw that, and the male and the female is so completely different. That's pretty unusual for woodpeckers. Yeah, right? well, John John James Audubon, the, the painter from the 18, early 1800s, uh, painted several species where he did male and female as separate species because they, mm-hmm. they look so different. And that was one of them. This was one of them. It yeah. uh, The female is kind of in a, a, a laterally, stripes that go around her uh, gray and gray and dark dark mm. chocolate and gray and the male is absolutely solid black with a white patch down the side um, and you put them together and they really i mean she looks like something you might find under your bed without dust if you don't <laughs> dust and you know and he looks like a big piece of coal it's quite yeah. remarkable yeah. some other uh, woodpeckers that we are very familiar with here in the east downy woodpeckers hairy woodpeckers yep, they're, they're, they're both widespread across the, the continent and and pileated as well which isn't as common here in the east unless you live maybe in fort really heavy forest Mm-hmm. But uh, we do get them occasionally into uh, eastern Massachusetts, but not the Cape or anything like that. And the white-headed woodpecker, I don't know if you said uh, that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, the white-headed so, woodpecker was yeah. in the hotel parking lot. <laughs> yeah, it was It was pretty... It's a, It's just an all-black bird with a 
dipped in white paint head. Mm -hmm. It's a very interesting looking bird. It's always a target because those don't those are not widespread. Mm -hmm. Woodpeckers of Oregon. David Clapp was the one who saw them with us in the studio here and um, just back from that trip. And we have a, enough time maybe to play what we did the last time you were here, David, which was Stump the Guest. Oh. And uh, do we have time, Tim? Uh, Tim is looking a little nervous with you, but I think we uh, maybe have. This one won't, won't take long. And no, it won't we, take long. We wouldn't dare challenge you on your bird knowledge, David, but this is just kind of a... It's just a fun uh, guessing uh, kind of quiz. But here it is. New research published in the journal Ecology has found that a large portion of the diet of newborn tiger sharks in the Gulf of Mexico is surprisingly comprised of what? A, kelp and other types of seaweed. B, small songbirds. Or C, other newborn tiger sharks. Uh, oh, one of those. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, they're... Young, young of most species need a lot of protein and, yeah. and heavy lipids, so I, I would say kelp is out. Yeah. Uh, it's probably not a species successful endeavor to eat your your cohorts. Yeah. So I'll say birds, even though well, maybe maybe birds because in the Gulf they're migrating north from Mexico. They get tired. They fall in the ocean, and the sharks eat them. I don't know. Wow. I don't know. Something like that. It's not. It's exactly like that. Yeah, they they did a they did a survey there. They're what they call a gastric lavage, a <laughs> harmless procedure that flushed out the contents of the stomach. And they harmless because it's French, but yeah, it's not. Of 105 <laughs> specimens studied, 41 of them contained partially digested birds. And it's just as you were saying, David, on migration, they were falling in the ocean. And yeah. Well, if you go birding in the Gulf of Mexico, Texas coast, you hope for a storm out of the north. They call them northers. The way we have northeasters, okay. um, and th that's the birds flying in hit that and come to the ground, and so you get lots of birds, and mm -hmm. they, a lot of them probably don't quite make it to shore. Exactly. David Clapp here with us in the mystery bird contest is here uh, next in just one minute. Hello, I'm Ed Begley Jr., and wherever you call home, the sounds of wildlife connect you with a greater family of life. That's why you shudder each time you see woods, marshes, meadows, or grasslands being destroyed. You know that countless birds and other wild animals are losing their homes, the greatest threat to their survival. Among the growing number of threats to wildlife, habitat loss is the most devastating. The Humane Society Wildlife Land Trust offers a humane solution, working with private landowners to protect habitat as permanent safe havens for wildlife. When you hear the familiar wild voices you love, remember, your voice is the one that can speak for wildlife and for the land they call home, ensuring that it stays forever wild. To learn more, to work with the Humane Society Wildlife Land Trust, visit wildlifelandtrust.org. You're eligible for our mystery bird contest if you haven't been a winner here within uh, six months here on Talking Birds. And don't forget, you don't have to get the right answer to become a winner necessarily if nobody else gets the answer. So give us your guess. It could prove to be very productive. Here's the sound of our mystery bird. A small songbird with a yellow throat, belly, and chest, and on the chest, a necklace of dark streaks. Its back is dark gray, it has a distinctive white eye ring and a yellow patch in front of the eye. Our bird's primary breeding range, northern New England, and points north, and it feeds by gleaning insects from foliage. We have a beautiful array of prizes. The number to call is 781-837-4900. That's 781 837-4900. As always, we urge you to call as soon as you possibly can. 
Prizes include the beautiful Droll Yankees window mount, songbird feeder, plus a download or online access to the LarkWire app that makes birding, uh, learning bird sounds a game and a 12-ounce bag of delicious bird-friendly shade-grown birds and beans coffee. 781-837-4900 is the number to call. 781-837-4900. Meanwhile, we're going to check in with Mike O'Connor and put this phone on silent. <laughs> uh, it's Let's Ask Mike in just one minute. <laughs> Talking Birds, we're for the birds. And we want to say thanks to another Talking Birds ambassador who's helping to spread the word about birds and conservation. My name is Dylan Bartles, and I'm calling from Orange City, Iowa. I became a Talking Birds ambassador because I really value conservation and agriculture and birds and anything that has to do with informing other people about those subjects. I think that by being a Talking Birds ambassador, I can do my part in helping spread the word about the good that birds provide for us. Talking Birds listeners, we hope you'll become a Talking Birds ambassador. Just visit our website, TalkingBirds.com. Click on the contact button and then choose the Become an Ambassador option. We'll send you some info cards to hand out to your friends and neighbors. That's the contact button at TalkingBirds.com. And thanks. Down there at the Birdwatchers General Store, Orleans, Cape Cod, we hope to find Mike O'Connor, who's going to talk on the topic of from gum to gone. He's... <laughs> <laughs> uh, you will have to explain that, but uh, good morning, Mike, and say hello to your friend, uh, David Clapp. Oh, my God. Who didn't show up this week, Ray? <laughs> good morning, Michael. Every week oh. he comes and says, can I come in if somebody's not there? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Help, I'm lonely. <laughs> good morning, David. Good, good morning. morning. It sounds like an awesome trip. Good for you. You know, I saw Redhead, redhead Woodpeckers in that same hotel that you Parking stayed in. Yeah. And, um, I, uh, we weren't staying there, but I did walk the grounds and I saw white-headed woodpeckers and mm-hmm. I'm, I think the guests in the hotel were nervous. Right. <laughs> yeah. They hate it when you walk around a motel with binoculars, don't yeah, they? that's right. Every shade was going down as I went through. So, Mike, <laughs> uh, your, your customers are asking you, I think, uh, often, how long does it take birds to fledge once the eggs hatch? And what well, what happens there? is a lot of, lot of, a lot of birds uh, take advantage of our structures, robins and Cardinals, uh, Phoebes, uh, house finches will nest in our plantings or on the edge of uh, our porches or, or backdoor lights. And, you know, some people are unhappy about that, but other people are a little bit patient, but they do want to use their back door. They're afraid to go out the back door or the side door, wherever the situation is. So they ask me, how long do they have to avoid that? And birds breeding is, is amazingly fast. Once the female starts to incubate the eggs, Typically, there's you know it's roughly two weeks. I always tell people two weeks for them to, for the female to incubate the eggs, and then probably another two weeks, given given the species and give or take the weather, another two weeks before they fly away. Which is amazing because in only two weeks they go from just that naked, blind little creature that looks like what does it look like, Ray? It looks like uh, chewed gum. It looks right? like yeah. a piece of chewed gum. <laughs> that was your description. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I know. And, and, and then in an amazing two weeks, they, they feather out and the parents feed them and, and, they, and they take off. And so, 
Right, from, from two, two weeks from gum to gone, they're amazing. So people who have a, uh, a bird nesting on their property or an inconvenient place, just be patient because it's just going to be a couple of weeks before they're gone, and, and, and then they're on their way. All right. And then you can have your back porch back and, uh, until next year. Well, thanks for, for talking with us, Mike, and including with the, with the David here, but, but you yeah. don't have to be in the same room with him as you were the other night. <laughs> hey, you know, it's fun. I got David to pay for a piece. I never thought that would happen. I got free food out of that. <laughs> All right, Mike. All well, right, you guys. Good take, show. Take care. Talk to you next yep, week. Bye. Mike O'Connor down there at the uh, famous Bird Watchers uh, General Store, Orleans, Cape Cod. For over a quarter century, Bird Watching Magazine has been North America's premier magazine about wild birds and birding. Regular contributors include expert birders and authors such as Ken Kaufman, David Sibley, Pete Dunn, Laura Erickson, and others. Learn more at birdwatchingdaily.com. We're back here with the Mystery Bird Contest trying to identify uh, this mystery bird at 781-837-4900. A small songbird with a yellow throat, belly, and chest, and on the chest a necklace of dark streaks. Its back is dark gray, and it has a distinctive white eye ring and a yellow patch in uh, front of the eye. Some more clues there in the sound of our mystery bird. 781-837-4900 is the number. And we have Becky in Beaver Creek, Ohio, on the line here. Good morning, Becky. Yes, good morning, Ray. Good, good morning, Becky. Um, you've, I think you've called before, and I asked you where Beaver Creek, Ohio was, and, of course, I've forgotten now if you told me that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Beaver, Creek, Beaver Creek is... Uh, a suburb of Dayton, Ohio. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Suburb of Dayton. All right. And very. Is yeah. it, so it's not terribly close to McGee Marsh. McGee Marsh. McGee Marsh. Know, that's on the lake. Uh, that's a clue because the mystery bird oh. probably went through McGee Marsh mm -hmm. by the hundreds this year. Wow. All right. Yeah. Did it help, Becky? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Let's see. What was your guess? Uh, so my guess was the yellow rumped warbler. Yellow rumped oh. warbler, Tim. <laughs> Uh, close though. Uh, David was going to say that was close, right. Just close though. Nice yeah, I, I would but, give it to you just for living in Ohio. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But uh, no, Tim is the arbiter here. He's frowning now. He doesn't mess around. I was not frowning. Oh, okay. Sorry. Don't do that. Sorry about that. Okay. All right. So not a yellow rumped uh, warbler, but thank you, Becky, for that uh, guess. And uh, what about um, we have Charlotte down in Bristol. Rhode Island, that beautiful place where the Audubon Society of Rhode Island's Nature Center and Aquarium is located. What a beautiful place. Good morning, Charlotte. Hi there. How are you? Well, thank you. Good to hear from you, Charlotte, and thank you for calling in on the Mystery Bird Contest. And what do you uh, say our mystery bird is? I think it might be a Canada Wobbler. Wow. Wow, says yeah. David. Yeah, that must I be thought really that was really hard. I didn't, that was a hard bird. <laughs> Probably that, that necklace... May have uh, helped you with that idea, right? That's yeah, the necklace is good. Mark, right? yeah. I think this the year, they, yes. they migrated through the Northeast in probably two days. All, I mean, if you look at the sighting, if there's 100 sightings, probably 80 of them were just in two days. Oh, they, boy. They were well, very, I didn't see one. Very, Sorry to say. Uh, stunning birds. And stunning a, late, bird. a late migrant, right? Uh, late... Late, but in the middle of the migration. Now, that morning okay. warbler is the latest. That's latest another one, yeah. yellow and black one. Okay. Yeah. Canada. The, oh, other, the other clue I was going to give uh, was our bird is named for the land that hosts the Habs and the Flames. Because ah. we're in the Stanley Cup eh? playoffs now. So eh? a couple of hockey teams there. <laughs> but you didn't need that uh, clue. I can no. see that, Charlotte. Well, stay on the line there. And, and, and Tim, who is not frowning, is smiling. He will take your information. We'll see. And I, I hope you come back down here in September. 
Yes, from we, the uh, Audubon. We hope to. We broadcast from there in Bristol last yeah, September. Yeah, we met you there last year. Right. Yeah. That was a wonderful time. That was the time that we had the laughing kookaburra oh, as our mystery it's, bird. It's, ah. I still chuckle when I think yeah. about it. I don't know how we can <laughs> that top was that. Great. <laughs> but I guess we'll try. Uh, Charlotte, yeah. uh, thank you so much. Okay, All now right. take care. That's Charlotte uh, down in Bristol, Rhode Island, correctly identifying the Canada warbler, Wilsonia canadensis. Canadensis. The, uh, yeah. Well, David, thank That's you. That's a so hard bird, so I thought. Yeah, yeah but uh, Charlotte was uh, was um, up to the task there, obviously. David Clapp, uh, international tour leader with Smithsonian Journeys. We're happy to have you in the studio with us again. Thank My you so pleasure. much, David. My well, pleasure. Any big trips coming up for you in the uh, future? I bet there is. Well, there's, there's stuff. We, we've got a couple <laughs> of things happening. But we're putting together a big, long trip to Australia where we hope either drive the perimeter of Australia or spend two or three months uh, at some of the really heavy bird spots. Mm-hmm. So that, that's something just Fran and I are going to do. All right. That'll be a whole show's worth of reporting. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, okay. Yeah. That's it for our show this morning. Thank you so much for being with us. Thanks to our amazing Talking Birds team, Debbie Bleacher, Freya McGregor, and our producing engineer, Tim McKenney. I'm Ray Brown. We'll see you next week. Ray Brown's Talking Birds. Made possible by the generous support of the Bird Watchers General Store. Orleans Cape Cod. Birdwatchersgeneralstore.com. By Birds and Beans Shade Grown Bird Friendly Coffee birdsandbeans.com and proudly sponsored by Ocean State Bird Club. This is every birder's favorite time of year with new birds to see in every tree and shrub and Ocean State Bird Club has an abundance of walks to see them. Join us on one of our free walks, become a member and check us out on Facebook and on the web at oceanstatebirdclub.org.